0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Gymman Show. And today, we have a very special guest. Mr. No, sorry, Dr. Stephen Matliss from the
1: Matliss Medical Clinic. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be here as always. Uh, It's nice to see you. It's a lovely day today. Same Um, as well.
0: Listen, I want to know. We all want to know. When is this going to end? When are we going to have a normal life? Roman Barber promised me a Raptors ticket when this whole thing is done. When is that going to happen?
1: You know, it's a a very good question. It's a million-dollar question. Unfortunately, uh, nobody has the answer. Um, I, as a physician, don't have a crystal ball, as most physicians don't. Um, We're all hoping that it's going to come to end pretty soon, Um, but it all depends on the participation of all the people in Ontario and essentially in the world um, for this. So um, I'm really hopeful it's going to end relatively soon. Listen, we're one year
0: into the pandemic. One year. What changed from the beginning till now, based on your knowledge?
1: So a lot has changed. Um, first and foremost, um, what changed is the the basic understanding of this disease, uh, of the COVID-19. Um, we have discovered its DNA code, its RNA code. Um, we, uh, we can figure out exactly... Um, how it, infect, it infects people um, and the, what they call pathophysiology, uh, but more importantly, we developed the vaccine. Uh, we developed vaccine in in record time, and that's I think that speaks volumes about you know the perseverance and the knowledge of the. the Scientists and also the people that supported them. So I think it's it's a huge milestone. Never in history has this ever happened before, where a vaccine was developed in such a short period of time, and more more so, it actually became quite you know effective uh, for the for the actual prevention of this condition. So um, that has changed, but also I think mean, more importantly, we as humans learned a little bit about ourselves. You know how we function under pressure, how we deal with stress, um, how we deal with stress under these kind of a very difficult situation. And I think learning about yourself in these kind of difficult times um, worth more to some people than actually finding the cure for this because it's, it's, a, it's a strive for the best. And it's uh, in my opinion, it's a very important lesson that we have learned. But don't you think it's a problem because the vaccine was developed so fast, we don't know what's
0: going to be the outcome. We don't know the exact uh, side effects of what's going to happen. I mean, people are scared. I'm scared. I don't want to take it. I know some people are, are want to take it because they want to just start to uh, go back to the normal life. They're just doing it because they want to come back to normal life. But I don't want to take it. I'm scared. I'm going to wait till everybody's doing it. And then maybe I'll do it too. We don't know what's going to happen two or three years from now.
1: It's a, it's a great question. And You know what? You're not the only one. Um, we call it vaccine hesitancy. A lot of people are just unsure um, about the signs behind these vaccines simply because it was developed in s- such a record time. You know... And it's, it's, you know, and I'd like to side with people for a moment and say, I totally understand this. Um, you know, never have we developed a vaccine in one year. More or less, it became in, sort of effective. Just to give you a little bit of background information, the flu vaccine, the annual flu shot, the vaccine that we get every single year, um, was first developed in the 1930s and 1940s. You know? So we had 67 years of basically of research, development, perfecting that essentially vaccine. Um and even now it it doesn't always work. You know, from year to year it doesn't have the best efficacy. There are years where it's only 20, 30 percent effective. There are years where it's 60, 70% effective. So to have a vaccine such as Pfizer Moderna that's developed in record time to be effective over ninety percent, it's a scientific breakthrough. And I think we all have to embrace that in one way or, or the other. Uh, for me, as a physician, I, I always practice what I preach. I got my vaccine yesterday on my left shoulder. Um, and I was, I was very proud of doing that because, you know, it's, I think it's on my behalf, a first step of coming back to normal. It's a first step that I took from my family. It's a first sort of step I took from my patients. Um, and I think everybody needs to sort of wake up, read a little bit about it, speak to their physician. And hopefully they can answer most of their questions about it. But in a few years, this will become the norm because, you know, COVID-19 is not going anywhere. It's going to stay with us for, for a number of years. Um, it's going to mutate. It's going to change very much like the flu is doing right now. And getting these COVID vaccines will be the norm.
0: But all over the news, they see that 80% of doctors, nurses, medical practitioners refuse to take these shots. They don't want to do it.
1: Yes uh I did see it happen I did read the news you know it's it's very discouraging um, and vaccination is a is a personal choice very much like everything else we offer in do medicine you know when you go see a doctor with a concern if you have a sore throat um, you know part of the examination is you're going to ask for DTL history is going to do a physical exam, and it's going to give you their opinion about why you have a sore throat. Is it because of viral infection, bacterial infection, strep throat, irritation, right? And it is up to you as a patient to listen to this advice and to take that advice, to ignore this advice, or to seek a second opinion, right? This is the norm in medicine. So physicians, in a way, are... Um, almost like an advisor, right? Their consultant, the medical consultant, and they're using their years of knowledge and experience to that. So very much with flu vaccine, you know, it's not, um, it's not for everybody. There's a lot of people who will not benefit from the vaccine. Um, if you have allergies to certain components, you shouldn't be taking it. If you have um, certain immune, um, like autoimmune conditions, you may not have uh, developed such a good immune system, and you're not gonna mount a really good re- immune response to it this vaccine may not not be the right choice for you. Um, But for most people, I think it's the right step. And I understand that, you know, we are in all this sort of together. In order for us to move beyond this sort of pandemic, we have to achieve what they call a herd immunity. It's basically when 60 70% of population have the antibodies, are immune to this condition, then it provides us almost like a safety net for the remainder of the population. So I think especially for the medical professionals, I think it's very important to go ahead and get the vaccine. It is very safe, um, you know, up to date. And I just read the statistics recently. There's been over 200 million doses of the vaccine administered. 200 million doses. So over 100 countries in the world received this kind of vaccine. So it's not like we're the first and only country in the world that doing it. It's a very safe vaccine. Um, you know, there's no major side effects. I, I do you want know, to tell you that, you know, the side effects are more so than a, typical flu vaccine, but that's because the product is new. But it's very, very safe, and you know, I got it yesterday, and I feel I feel good about it, and I'm looking forward to my second dose.
0: I heard the second dose is the one that giving you the problems. Second dose, the one that give you high fever.
1: Yeah, it can. Yeah, so it's um, every vaccination is individualized, so every person is different. So in some people, the symptoms could be relatively mild, a little bit of body aches, a little mm-hmm. bit of sort of fatigue, headache. Some people may develop a low-grade fever. Um, it's very different, but it is known to fact that the second dose give you slightly higher symptoms or side effects in the first dose, so you're right.
0: What is it? What's what's inside this vaccine? Is it actual a small version of coronavirus?
1: So, great question. There's a number of different vaccines. Uh, Many different countries are uh, developing these kind of vaccines. Uh, To this day, there's about over 60 different uh, vaccines in the works because you have to understand that this is a pandemic unlike the world has ever seen. This is a global catastrophe, right? It paralyzed our economy. It prevented kids from going to school. It closed a lot of businesses. It caused a lot of death. So, this kind of uh, pandemic um, it's probably the first time, or certainly in my generation, in your generation, that we actually see this kind of stall to the economy, to the health, and everything else. So as you can imagine, from the get-go, there was a huge rush of people uh, and companies and money and investments in countries. Are like going to the market and say, okay, we want to be the first one to produce this vaccine. When we, so until this day, there's about sixty of them. Now they're not all licensed in Canada. In Canada, right now, we have, as of this morning, actually four different vaccines. Um, there's a Pfizer-Biontech, which is the uh, German and American company, and there's a Moderna company. Uh, the, the Moderna company, I'm just refer to my notes here. Are um, Actually, uh, it's an American company. Uh, there's a AstraZeneca, which is the UK and Swedish company. And this morning, a brand new uh, game player is uh, the Johnson Johnson, the American one. So uh, the Pfizer and the Moderna, the two most common ones, are actually um, encapsulated um, mRNA uh, particles. So what they're doing is they it's a very smart technology. And the technology has been there for well over 10 years, and we use it to treat various cancers, but implementation in terms of the use inside the vaccines is relatively new. And I think that's where the hesitation comes in, is because it's never been used in the vaccine form. But in reality, what it is, is it's trying to mimic or fool your immune system into knowing that um, you are almost got infected. So and by way it's doing it is that it's um, packaging this mRNA, which is basically the code for the virus, into this envelope, and this envelope is being introduced inside the cell. And the cell is using this knowledge to manufacture a specific coating or protein, we call them spike protein, on the top of the cell so that your own immune cells learn about it, recognize it, and in the future, if you ever get COVID, uh, or get infected with COVID, it's going to destroy the actual virus. So the Pfizer and Moderna work very similar. Um, the AstraZeneca and the, the new um, player in the game, the Johnson Johnson, are what they call viral vectors. It's basically, it resembles um, more or less the traditional vaccines. So Where they do is they take a virus, sometimes it's, um, it's a monkey virus, um, and they package the inside uh, the, the genetic code and allow the virus to bring the, the genetic code inside the cell. And then the process becomes very similar. Now, you might want to ask me, why, why the monkey virus? Why not just take any other viruses? Because the chances of you coming in contact with a monkey virus is very low, unless you work in a zoo, right? So that if they were to take a, a regular virus, um, your, your body is more likely to recognize it and, and to sort of disregard it. So that would essentially go against the actual vaccine efficacy. But what's v- v- really cool about the new vaccine, the Johnson & Johnson, is only one dose. And that's a game changer, because not only do the previous vaccines require uh, very, very low temperatures to be stored, sometimes minus 70 degrees, this new vaccine can be stored at relatively normal sort of freezers and freezers, which is available in every doctor's and pharmacy office, but it's only one shot. And it works pretty well. It has a good efficacy. Let me ask you a question. Why should we trust these companies? They have bad tracks.
0: Some of these companies, if you go online and read, read what they did in the past and the lawsuits against them why should we as people trust these companies i mean you're basically giving your life away to uh, a company that's worth trillions and is there to make money that's all they're there for
1: yes you know i, I like you're right that this the I mean, this world is all about money right everything revolves around money the contracts and everything else but uh, the companies that make these um, vaccines are very much the same companies that make your cholesterol medications your your antidepressants your blood pressure pills these are the same companies so these are the same companies that have been with us for decades and decades they have instilled uh, a lot of trust in the public you know millions of people take medications every single day and they're considered safe these are the same companies the same players in the game just the product is different. And, uh, less, I mean, less time for, for, uh, to figure out the, the side of it. It's less time to figure out. I mean, the technology has been there for around, for, for many n- number of years. I mean, the more traditional vaccines, like the ones that the, the Chinese are making the Son of farm and the ones that the Russians are making the Sputnik vaccine from the Gamalay Institute. Um, these are more traditional vaccines, right? Um, the ones that the, the Pfizer and BioNTech came up with, there is, these are, it's a really new, unique, like technology. And, As the years goes by, you will see them again, over and over again. I'm sure COVID is not the last sort of disease and flu that we actually experience. There'll be a similar one in the future, and you will see the same companies making the same vaccine. So you ask me, is there money involved? There's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of contracts involved, but it's done for the benefit of the people. It's you know there's a lot of people dying and, and the companies and the companies it, and the shareholders and the shareholders. It's it's a business, right? Whether you're a company that's manufacturing masks to uh, supply the hospitals and, and clinics, whether you're a company that manufactures syringes to administer these vaccines, you're gonna profit from it, right? And you're gonna profit from it, but. What's the what's the positive results? The positive results that we as a society are moving forward, in terms of science and innovation. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, we're going to be leaving this pandemic behind us and returning to normal lives, which I think is a huge huge advantage. Well, let me ask you a question. You don't think that this whole thing is overblown?
0: I mean, okay, fine. We know that there is a virus, COVID. Okay, somebody can believe it, somebody don't have to believe it, but we know something exists. Yes. Do you think it was overblown by the media? I mean, if you take a look at the rates of deaths and survival, I mean, why is this whole panic? Why are we even calling it pandemic
1: when you have such a small chance of dying? Yes, I, I understand what the uh, what the question comes from. Let's uh, let let's take it a step back. Let's look at uh, 2018. Sorry, 1918, the Spanish flu. Right, killed upwards of 40 million people. Right, a lot more than this current pandemic have killed. Back in 1918, we had no similar technology. We had very little knowledge about um, sort of disease prevention. We had very little knowledge about antibiotics. We had very little knowledge about, you know, mechanical ventilation and so, so forth. So, uh, the the game is very different right now you're right the covid doesn't kill a lot of people right the 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 relative um, mortality rate is relatively low you know the numbers that we have today are as follows and i'm i'm just going to quote the like the latest one so in ontario there's just over 300,000 uh, covid cases and in ontario there's just over 7,000 people that died so brings brings the mortality rate to 0.02% less than 1% it's relatively low but look let's look at the other side so let's not look at just one parameter because death is a very gruesome and you know it's the end result of a lot of things but a lot of people are suffering without dying a lot of people are suffering on many different levels such as they're developing really bad respiratory conditions they're developing severe asthma or asthma like syndromes after they finish with covid they developed a lot of fatigue, which affects their lifestyle afterwards. And more or less, we don't know what the side of is going to be in four, five, 10 years from now. So these numbers could very well quadruple in terms of the morbidity that we experience. Um, it's a very serious disease, and, and the world is right to react this way. Um, unfortunately, there is no playbook. Right, this has never happened to us before. In our generation, there was never a pandemic of this magnitude. You know, you cannot compare it to the um, SARS epidemic in two thousand. Right, it's the same players. Right, it's very similar. This SARS, the pandemic, um, the the flu H one N one. The you know, they're very similar players that we have in COVID. Right. Um, why is it more concerning now? It's more concerning because it spread like wildfire all over the world. Right, people were traveling. Um, and it affects a lot of people. Why is it so dangerous? It's dangerous because what is your last measure of safety, your last safety measure if you're in the hospital? Three letters, ICU, right? ICU is the last safety resort you have in any hospital, right? When you walk in the hospital, you're gonna go to the emergency room first, and if you're okay, you're gonna send home. If you're not, you're gonna get admitted to the hospital, if you don't do well in the hospital and the regular bed, they'll probably upgrade your, your condition to uh, telemetry, which is w- where they can actually monitor you a little bit better. But beyond that, if you can breathe on your own, if you can function on your own, they will place you in ICU. And ICU—that's where the, the machine takes over your breathing, right? How many uh, ICU beds we have in Ontario? Seventeen hundred. Under two thousand. Right. You probably have more Facebook friends than, than we have ICU beds. Right. right. Why? Right. Well, first of all, it's, uh, it takes uh, a lot of knowledge, expertise to run and, fu- and function inside the ICU. Um, the nursing staff is really different because in a regular hospital, you can have one nurse for 10 patients, eight to 10 patients. In ICU, because of demands, you have to be there one to two people, one to one people. So it takes a lot of resource, a lot more money. And the ICU nurses and doctors have a special training in how to manage this. It also requires respiratory technicians and anesthesiologists for the intubations and management of your stuff. If you're in ICU, chances are you have other conditions going on. Your kidneys may not be working well. Your heart may be weak. But the, the bottom line is in Ontario, you know, we have millions of people in Ontario, we have only 2,000 or less ICU beds, approximately, okay? So if you were to get sick and if you can't breathe on your own, right, and you, you you need an ICU bed, and if the, all ICU beds are taken, what are you going to do as a patient? The answer is not much, right? And that's where the danger comes in. That's where the term flatten the curve came in, is because we, yes, we have hundreds of people. There are no symptoms or very mild symptoms. And then above them is mild to moderate symptoms. And then above them, moderate to severe symptoms that were people that require intubation. We simply didn't have enough resources to deal with huge influx of people requiring ICU care. Let me you a question.
0: Okay, so they're concentrating so much on the vaccine. Why not concentrate on treatment? Listen, we're a beautiful country and pretty wealthy too, country. Yes. They have enough resources to do whatever the hell they want to. We showed it. I mean, they paid everybody so much benefits throughout this time. Why not concentrate at the same time while they're working on a vaccine or building more ICUs, get more staff, make more room?
1: Why was it, why not work on the treatment? Why just concentrate on the vaccine? Yeah so it's so a great question again so the treatment everybody's working on the treatment there's a lot of sort of uh, stories about people using you know the malaria drug you know hydroxychloroquine it's been widely sort of described in the media donald trump was advocating for it a lot of american doctors and, and even my colleagues were advocating for it and end up being, you know, completely false. It's not working. It's just, it gives you side effects, but it doesn't fix anything, right? There's a lot of emphasis in the U.S. on on this antiviral drug called remdesivir, right? Which is, you know, you can get it in Canada. Does it work very well? Not very much so, right? There's a lot of monoclonal antibody treatments in the U.S. Um, When Donald Trump was sick, he got this super-duper drug cocktail, which was, you know, developed in the U.S. and... um, does it work very well? Well, it prevents the disease from going 0 to 60 in a few seconds. But it doesn't actually fix the entire problem. But in rea- in, in reality, it's very expensive, and it's not applicable to average hospitals because the dose is really expensive. It would be the same thing as putting everybody on chemotherapy all of a sudden, right? It becomes really expensive, and who's going to pay for all this? We, we have limited resources. We have socialized health care. So we do have certain medications that are in development in terms of, you know, fixing the problem, but the emphasis has been more so on the prevention of the d- disease because, like I mentioned before, is that, you know, vast majority of people are going to be okay. Even less will be in bad shape and very few will require, you know, ICU support. So if we can prevent this sort of pathway, we've done a great job. You know, vaccines, you know, if you get a vaccine, the, the few questions you want to ask yourself is, does it, does it stop the spread of the virus? does it lessen the symptoms if you have it? And if you do have it and you get the vaccine, does it lessens the burden, right? So, and that's that's something we're gonna figure out pretty soon. You know, probably next year, we're gonna have a really good data about it. So far, the results are excellent. You know, the, um, the Pfizer Biotech vaccine is over 90% effective at preventing hospitalization. And what's more important that not a single person that received the COVID vaccine died. That's a really important measure. Do you think the steps of the
0: Canadian mental, uh, Canadian um, Ontario healthcare system and the, the medical staff, initially from the get-go, do you think they did everything right? You know, I mean, I mean to me, it looks like <laughs> they they failed in every single aspect. Because I'll explain to you why. I look at other countries. I mean, Texas is already removing masks. Uh, Europe is, I mean, half of it. Let's say Russia. I mean, free for all. Slowly, everything eases off. We're still in a lockdown. It looks to me like the system failed.
1: You know, it's a, failure is a really you know, really big word. And you know, it's, there's a number of different pathways that we can go this uh, by. So <clears throat> let's, let's talk about this, for example. Um, as a country in Canada, we have a huge country, under 40 million people. You know, question is why didn't we lock down sooner? Why didn't we order enough vaccines? Why are we administering enough vaccines? Why, why are the countries ahead of us? Right? Israel, for example, the world leader. You know, the, the latest numbers are as, as follows, and this is just from you know just recently. Um, you had uh, over fifty percent of population in Israel received both doses of vaccine. That's huge, right? Smaller country, um, small number of people, centralized healthcare system. Everything is on computer. If you receive a dose in one city, everybody knows that. The problem we have in Canada is that we don't have a centralized medical system, right? The the systems are managed by the provinces and territories. Um, The vaccine procurement is a federal issue, you know, so the, the Trudeau's government ordering the vaccines. It's their charge, their job is to secure enough doses it's health the job to make sure that what we're ordering is a safe and appropriate for the current condition, and safe to administer to the public, and do the necessary follow up and, and and everything else. But it's up to the uh, local healthcare units to sort of distribute these vaccines. You know, there is no playbook for this. You know, we never faced such a big challenge before. Could we have locked down the borders quicker and sooner? Possibly, <laughs> yeah. But you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right? That's what they say that. So a year from now, we'll say, are these lockdowns working? Um, could closing the borders sooner would have been more beneficial? We don't have these answers yet. What do you think? Do you think the lockdown worked? So it worked down to a certain degree. You know, With every action you take, there's always a reaction. So is it designed to fix everything? Absolutely not. Is it a universal measure to stop the spread? Yes, most countries that had COVID vaccines implemented some form of lockdown, everywhere from, you know, implementing very strong martial law type of curfews to very mild ones to just say, okay, certain stores are closed, certain stores are open, uh, very much in line to what we're doing here. Um, but universally in all the countries, there's been at some point, there's been at least some kind of lockdown. Why? Because it prevents the spread. And that's a very important measure. You know, when we... Talk about the viral spread. We talked about a few, a few different things. First of all, it's it's spread by airborne droplets, right? So if you limit the distance in congregation of people, you automatically prevent the disease spread. Very important, right? The time you spend with another person, right? If one has COVID, one doesn't. If you spend more than 10, 15 minutes, your risk going up. If it's just a high buy, fine. If it if you are doing a lot of speaking and talking and singing that spreads the air droplets you're more likely to, to get this kind of condition um, so spreading people apart and locking them works but the question is at what cost right we had a lot of businesses going down under we had a lot economy right is, is going down there's a huge un- unemployment a lot of moms and pop shops may not reopen again huge toll on psychology of kids you know they're being out of school, they're taking away from their precious, you know, school years where they socialize, build friendships. Everything is being affected, and everything has been affected at a level of not seen before. Again, there's no playbook for this, right? We're doing it step by step. Are we doing the right thing? Well, the first few lockdowns worked, you know, uh, probably if they've been a little bit more on top of things in the beginning. They would have probably locked down much quicker and much more profound. Absolutely. Yeah. I would probably, you know, looking back, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a smartass in the room, but, you know, the moment that the World Health Organization said, listen, there's a problem, there's a problem on the horizon, we probably need to do lockdown, I would lock down all the borders. Okay. Border with the US, international border, close the airports, close the Mexico border, right? Essential goods and services can stay open. You know, everything else closes. Okay. Essential, keep the pharmacy open, keep, you know, grocery stores open, the gas stations, keep the doctor's office, you know, open, you know, if if need be. Okay? Everything else closed. You know. The problem with that solution is that if you tell people that in two weeks we're gonna close everything, it creates huge panic. Right? And it did. I don't know if you remember the toilet
0: paper. Toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There was a point in time where, you know, you couldn't buy any toilet paper in Costco. You couldn't buy anything, you know, uh, like flour-based because people were not relying on delivery of bread or purchasing bread. They were baking all the goods themselves. All the kids were home. You had to keep them busy. You had to do all the baking activities with them, baking muffins. You can't find flour, yeast, baking soda. It was all sold out. There's no toilet paper, okay? Even though we had a good supply, just people were just hoarding stuff, you know? That's what happens when people panic, so you can imagine if we close borders on a higher pretense and a higher idea, listen, everything is locked down for a month, there will be huge lineups and probably people that are not able to buy enough groceries for a month who live paycheck to paycheck will be at a huge sort of disadvantage. All these senior citizens who, who don't have enough funds, who live you know, on Social Security and every single month, didn't have enough money to purchase all these products for a month. Right, That, that was a problem. Right. So we had to look down, but it had to be done very intelligently and was done right. Let the history be the judge. You know, and maybe in a year we'll know that, you know, um, but it's it's um, because there is no play, because it's very difficult to manage it from day to day. Now it's a little bit different because now people are, you know, having these different. Lockdown zones, and I'm, honestly, as a physician, I'm confused myself. You know, all these sort of rainbow system—the the green, uh, the, the the gray, the red, and, and everything else—I'm still lost. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm, I'm I'm wearing a mask and washing my hands. You know, a thousand times a day. I got my vaccines. You know, I'm not seeing my friends. I'm not seeing my you know my extended family. I'm trying to be as careful as I can. You know, um, however, however, um, these lockdowns are still in place and. Is it is it nice? It's not nice. It's it's. Uh, I, I don't think it's good for the kids. I think, you know, I have a child. You know, he's, he's not seeing his colleagues. He's not seeing his friends. Um, I'm not able to socialize with my friends. I can't attend so, certain conferences. You know, and that's not even talking about travel. You know, people want to travel. And, you know, so all these industries there are also suffering. So lockdowns are not for everybody. They accomplish a certain thing, but at certain cost. And I think balancing it is a very difficult task. And I, as a society, we either have to be all in it and say, "Listen, we're all gonna respect the the rules, everybody," or we have, or we're gonna have more lockdowns in the years to come. I
0: agree. Yeah. But uh, in order for you to be strong as society, you have to believe into your government. Right now, what what happened is that they they. Created this confusion for everybody, and they lost trust with all the stuff that they're 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 posting and all the stuff that they're saying. Data, all these numbers, people are losing trust. I don't even know what they're saying. Most of the time is 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 numbers that that if you think about what they said two months ago, is completely irrelevant to what's happening right now. That becomes a problem. Back and forth, open, close, open, close. Are we in kindergarten? red zone blue zone green zone i mean and and my question is why there is no playbook i mean this is a country you know why there is no playbook for a situation like this we have a playbook for in case if if a war happens why there is no playbook
1: i don't think we were prepared for this i think it uh, went from zero to 60 really quickly And it didn't affect just one country. It affected the entire world. And because we are a very interconnected society, um, everybody either had to play along, right, or not. And we had a lot of people that, you know, initially, what, refused to wear masks, okay? And, you know, granted, there are some people that can't wear a mask, you know, they have certain medical conditions. Those people excluded. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about general public, you know, who did not want to wear a mask when they go out. Okay, That contributed to what they call super spreader events. And these super spreader events caused mass hysteria, and the numbers skyrocketed. When you deal with these pandemics, um, we have a scientific advisory table, which is basically based on scientists, epidemiologists, and people that know how this type of uh, uh, disease behaves. And they do projections. Now, are projections 100%? No, they're the, the forecasts. It's very much like the weather forecast, right? Now, when I look at the CP24 and say, "Hey, tomorrow is a chance of rain," it's a chance of rain. It doesn't mean it's going to rain 100%. You can tell me there's a two millimeter rain or five or ten, but it's an estimate very much the same with these numbers these numbers are an estimate you know and they're based on mathematical projections it's like estimating anything else so they could either be wrong they could be right or they could be in the ballpark
0: or they can be extremely wrong because when you say you're going to have a hundred thousand cases a day and then you have 150 only and then you as you as as a citizen you look at this i mean guys are you trying to scare me? I don't understand what's going on. you tell me 100,000 day. Yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared for my parents, yeah. But then yes. you have the next day or a month later,
1: two, 300 cases a day, five, six deaths. Why would you believe them? They usually show what they call a worst case scenario, and it's not meant to scare people or general public because don't forget, I don't always understand these forecasts because some of the biased statistics are beyond my knowledge. It's not my area of expertise, you know? But I do trust it in a way that you know it's a form of a guidance. I know that if we don't do A, B, and C, then D, E, and F will happen. Right? That's how we train to think, and it's very you know it's not so much like an economics of you, you know buy low, sell high. It's it's a slightly different than that because you know there's a lot more factors at play. There are you know, different age groups which are affected. There's a different demographics of people with different resources that are affected. People live in different areas. You know, if you live in an urban area, you have a lot more resources. You have a hospital next door. If you live in, in like, you know, North Ontario, and somewhere on the, on the reserve, there may not be a physician nearby that they can address you. So these numbers are projections, and it's, it's an estimate. And it's, uh, they're not always right, you know, and they're not meant to scare people. They're meant to guide us in terms of the preparedness.
0: 400,000 cases a day when you have 1,000, how is it preparing? It's basically, you know. <laughs> it's, it's here, buddy, sit home and listen to what I'm telling you. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to get sick and die. Yes. And that's maybe, that's half a percent.
1: Yeah. Yes, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's a, it definitely a scary number, and I hope we never get to that number, because at that number we won't be able to manage. It's going to be a catastrophe. You know, it was already bad, but at these numbers—it's beyond manageable. That number should have been a year ago, and it's not
0: even close. Yeah, I agree. So, what's going to happen right now? They open up everything, so we're going to have another—it's well, 1,200 cases a day or a thousand cases a day. A month we're gonna, from now, we're going to have 2,500
1: cases a day, and then what? Back to lockdown? It will be like what? Switching back and forth? The uh, the important part right now is the what they call the variants—the variants of the virus. So, what are the variants? Variants are. Uh, different types of the same virus that have mutated over the years, you know, and the flu changes its, its sort of uh, code. They have H1N1, H3H5. It changes every single year. You know, when it comes to, for example, a flu vaccine, we looked at the previous years. We looked at the flu season that happens, for example, in Australia and Southeast Asia, and then we make a decision uh, around February, and we make a decision, you know, what's going to happen in the year to come. And then we put a package together for the flu vaccine, and hopefully it's going to be effective. Very much the same with this thing, because this particular coronavirus mutated, mutated a few times, and and we have a number of variants right now. Um, The current vaccines are not always effective, right? So the idea is to immunize everybody as quickly as possible and to achieve a herd immunity and to prevent the spread and to prevent future mutations of this virus because if the virus is going to be in that environment it's going to keep on mutating it's going to be a problem after problem after problem so that's that's what's important to immunize everybody stop the spread and go, go back to normal life have you, have you seen the lineups for a vaccine yes again it's uh, again we are a very interesting society that so we like everything new and we work on hype and uh, obviously the doors are open. Everybody wants to vaccinate because everybody wants to c- come back to normal. Um, the place where I went yesterday, super organized, you know, really good place. You know, I was in and out in 20 minutes.
0: Really? Because yeah. I saw online, lines up, line up. They have yes. elderly people waiting for hours in this cold because it was cold outside yesterday. Yes. Waiting for hours. I'm so ashamed of the system that they created around this is that at least the simple things that respect to the elderly they can at least make something or ask us as citizen to help bring heaters whatever it is but come on i mean i saw it was it was it was shameful i saw these pictures of this 84 year old gentleman elderly who probably you know built this country for us so we can have this great life was standing in line
1: Yeah, it was a, listen, uh, I don't want to blame anybody. It's just that they open up this portal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to blame them. They they open up the portal to everybody that's like 80 to 85 year old. And uh, uh, people are trying to sort of uh, register right away. And it was influx of people right so it's a little bit underestimation hopefully to learn from their mistakes and it doesn't happen again from now on it's going to be the different age group the 70s the sixty, the 50s the 40 year olds and then all sort of general publics so hopefully you know um, everybody that's you know 30 to 40 can get immunized by the summer now we have four players and again there's four different vaccines this will speed up the process um, the johnson johnson vaccine does not require uh, sort of this extreme temperature it can be given to the pharmacies this will greatly reduce the load on the vaccine clinics and hopefully it's going to get in the hands of the right people So, how you gonna, I wonder how how uh, we're how we going to
0: choose one I mean is it going to be like one of those you're going to be standing outside with this girl <laughs> running we'll give you a discount if you get
1: uh, if you get a vaccine from us get Johnson Johnson it's going to be mainly on the availability so when I went yesterday you know I, I received Pfizer vaccine because that was available right now and that's what I received uh, they all pretty good. You know, the Pfizer, it's over 90% effective. Um, Moderna, but 94% effective. AstraZeneca, 82%. And the Johnson Johnson, 60, 60 to 70% effective. So really, really good. It's much higher than the average flu vaccine. So these vaccines work way better than the flu vaccines.
0: If we can go back a little bit, uh, why haven't they uh, isolated... Sorry. Why haven't they really protected the elderly And letting the young ones just run it through, I mean, obviously, would have run. Everybody would have run through this COVID. Uh, You have still a small percentage of dying, but it was just a flush. Everybody would be immune to it. Why just not let run it?
1: There's a lot of young. There's a lot of people who are not scared. A lot of people are not scared. I mean, if you don't know what it is, you're probably not scared. I mean, I work in this uh, field. Uh, My clinic's been open from day one. We haven't closed. I've seen a lot of COVID patients, uh, you're in my age, you know, they're really um, young and healthy. They don't take any medical, uh, any medications. They have no chronic medical conditions and they got really, really sick. And uh, some people died, you know, some- Young? Young people died. 30 year old. How many do
0: you know? A handful handful because yeah. from from what uh, the politicians are saying there's not that many no it's only two
1: no it's a uh, listen i i've treated these people uh fortunately none of my patients passed away i was very lucky very fortunate um, but i know i know at least a handful of people that are young that passed away from COVID, um and it, because it again it can hit you really really hard and you really don't know what it is until it actually hits you some people feel relatively fine, it feels like a cold, like a very mild flu maybe, and some people can take a five steps without shortness of breath and stopping and catching their breath. It's it's a really, really serious thing.
0: I know many people who have COVID. Probably most of my friends have COVID. least like 60, 70 people who have COVID. All the say the same thing. Just uh, uh, high fever, loss of taste and smell, and body aches. Two, three days, and then a slowly, grow, oh, headache. And slowly goes away nobody experiencing this whole uh um, breathing issue but some of them some of my friends say listen we had things worse than this i mean this is nothing
1: yeah it's, but there's uh,
0: also a lot of broken telephone
1: yeah again some people will not always disclose their personal information to you you know they might want to sound this sort of certain way but it is serious you know you can take my word for it i've seen all, uh, dozens and dozens of positive COVID cases Dozens, you know, probably 100 people I've seen. And some of them are very mild. Some of them are very severe. Ended up in the hospital. I, I know my personal friends were really sick from this. And um, it hits you like a train sometimes. And really to a point where just imagine being in these kind of shoes for a, for a second. If you're a healthy 30-year-old person and you have this condition and you can't take a breath. It's like breathing underwater or breathing through a straw and there is no cure for it and there is no treatment for it and the icus are full right and you you know if you go to the hospital you go to the emergency room you're going to get an x-ray they're going to evaluate you they'll say yep you have a low oxygen but you don't qualify for admission first of all and second of all we have no beds for you What going it right? happen then that's, that's the exact point I'm trying to come across, is that if you're in this situation, and I hope nobody's in this situation ever again, there's no fix to it, right? So that's what we're trying to prevent, and it's a really, really bad situation because you have something that you know, you're know you not sure if you're going to wake up in the morning because you just can't breathe, you know. and there's nothing that nobody can do about it. That's the danger part. What do you do when the patient comes in
0: and says, listen, I'm having difficulty breathing, and and obviously tested positive for COVID, or didn't, but you know this, this is definitely COVID. What do you do? do you send it to emergency right away?
1: Well, we uh, first of all, we screen everybody that comes in. So if somebody has COVID symptoms or think they have COVID symptoms, because there's a big gamut of symptoms, you know, you can have from loss of taste and smell to you know extreme shortness of breath, right? So when you suspect you have something, you know, our policy in my clinic is to call first. The physician will screen you over the phone. Uh, we'll take as much information to make the proper diagnosis as much as possible. Um, if, you know, if it's bad enough, we're going to tell you to go to the hospital, right? And if it's uh, if it's something that we can fix, you know, you, we'll see you come in person. We have my clinic is essentially isolated, so the, the reception staff is, sits in a very different area. Um, there's nobody else that works in the clinic, it's just myself. We wear full sort of PPE, uh, masks and everything else. And then... I, it's my du- my duty to help the patient. So if it's risk to me, it's acceptable risk to me. It's a risk I have to take because otherwise the patient has nowhere to go, right? So has there been times where ha- like if I broken a protocol? Absolutely, right. But you know I gave a Hippocratic oath. I have to help people, right? I have to help people, and it's in if if I there's been many times I've sent them to emergency room in a really bad shape, and they had. You know, they were sent back home because simply that there is no ICU beds like that. that, You know, I would give them different options like puffers, inhalers, you know, anti-inflammatory medications. You know, if you're an older person, we'll give you aspirin to make sure that you you don't form blood clots. You know, so there's a lot of what they call symptomatic relief to make you feel better. But we take it day by day, you know. But everything is very challenging these days because doesn't matter where you send patient, they have to get screened, sometimes they get churned away and sometimes I feel bad for the patient because they have nowhere to go. you know so why does it hit so hard to people with medical condition? So w- without or with, with. With. So uh, there's been recent studies that if you have uh, obesity or if you have diabetes or if you have uh, other respiratory conditions like asthma or COPD, um, it really attacks your system. It's, it has to do with um, the concept that they're trying to figure out right now called inflammation. It's basically the virus creates a very marked inflammatory response in the form of this what they call cytokine storm, which you probably heard in the news. And yeah. It attacks every single organ in your body from kidneys to lungs. And sometimes it just shuts it off, and you know, you're not able to function. Um, and if you have other under underlying conditions, you don't, your body doesn't have enough resources to deal with it. And part by part, the body starts shutting down. Um, it starts with the lungs. It goes to kidneys. It goes to other organs. So it's a very it's a very fast process. You can go from zero to sixty in a, in a matter of days. Um, and uh, you know the dangerous part is sometimes there's nothing you can do.
0: What's the first? What's the first thing that somebody needs to do if they think they have COVID?
1: First of all, I would probably stay home. I wouldn't go anywhere because, again, if you know you have COVID, you're going to pass it on to somebody else. And you might be a healthy individual and brush it off, and you might be one, two days of relatively mild symptoms. But you know, we live in a society where there's multi-generational homes. You know, there's, you know, there's uh, grandparents live like sometimes live with you. You can easily pass it to them. Right? And they might be in a lot worse shape than you are. I may not make it out of it. Right, So as much as possible, stay home, call the physician, call somebody who knows what they're doing, let them screen you through it. They're going to ask you. It might not be uh, sort of COVID. It might be something else. You might have a cold. You might have a pneumonia, bronchitis. You might just have a sore throat.
0: Right now, everything you uh, anything you get in your body, yes. you think it's COVID. You get a headache. Oh, shit, I think yes. I have COVID.
1: Because we're in pandemic, there's obviously a low level, level of threshold for this. We obviously, you know, any symptom... Potentially, could be COVID. That's what's important for a medical professional to screen you and to make sure that, you know, we are everybody's on the same page. But uh, we'll send you for testing. There's a, we have to follow certain guidelines, obviously. But it's uh, there's a certain th- things you can do because if it's not COVID, most things else we can fix. You know, if it's a sinus infection, we can give you antibiotics, right? If it's a bronchitis, we can give you an inhaler or a puffer, right? So there's a lot of things we can help you with.
0: But they say there's a major problem, major headaches. But they are, at the same time, they're telling you you shouldn't be taking Advil or Tylenol. You shouldn't be taking anything. What do you? If you do get COVID and you do uh, get the experience uh, the headaches, what do you take?
1: You can't take Advil. You, you can't take Tylenol. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because so initially
0: they said you can't take Advil. Yes. Yeah. That the, will the, give you a heart what, attack.
1: Yes. Uh, a lot of friends were texting me and messaging me and saying, "Steve, look at these uh, Facebook posts. You know, you cannot take Advil for this. You know, this thing. It's it's absolutely not true. And in, in fact, you know." Because it causes, there's a higher chance of somebody getting blood clots, we will give you like things like aspirin sometimes just to prevent it. If you're in a the hospital, they might give you an uh, sort of aspirin. So Advil, naproxen, Aleve, Tylenol is very safe, but it's, again, it depends on the person and the patient. You obviously have to speak to your physician because it's uh, uh, very individualized. If you have uh, certain you know contraindications to so taking aspirin or Advil, you shouldn't be taking it.
0: But what, what people that have asthma, asthma, does, is it for sure if you get COVID that, that- you're going to ICU?
1: <laughs> Not for sure. We have a lot of patients that had COVID with asthma, did relatively well. You know, when you have asthma, again, it's a different, it's a, it's a plethora of different symptoms. You can have relatively mild, well controlled asthma. Or you can have asthma that you're on three or four inhalers and puffers, and you could be a smoker at the same time, and you have multiple allergies, right? So if you're in a relatively good shape with very good controlled asthma and no seasonal allergies, and you're relatively a healthy person, chances are that you know you'll make out of this. You're going to be okay. You know that's not to say that in a year from now you may not have you know like breathing issues with exercise, what they call exercise-induced asthma or other things. Um, But again, it's unpredictable because nobody knows because we only had it for about a year, like we'll know later. But the the idea, the the message is that if you have asthma, I hope you're not smoking. I really hope so, number one. Number two, I hope you're not near people that smoke. Number three, I hope your allergies are controlled. Technically, you shouldn't be taking things like aspirin and Advil because they can worsen your your, your asthma. Uh, But make sure your asthma is well controlled. If you're well controlled, you're well prepared, you can deal with it well.
0: Can we talk a little bit about mental state? Sure. That's a huge problem. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of patients coming in. Absolutely. Depressed. Yes. And especially the women. So I feel so bad for them. I mean, they go through so hard for them, you know? It was hard for them before this, but now it's even harder. How, how, how much of an effect this caused?
1: Huge effect. It affects everybody obviously differently. Um, it depends on your predisposing conditions. If you have already existing asthma, or sorry, a, a depression or anxiety, um, uh, what are your coping skills? You know, um, can you deal with stress? Um, do you live alone? Do you have a good support system? Um, do you take medications one you're supposed to be taking? Do you have access to a mental health professional, psychologist, psychiatrist? Can you speak to a family doctor or a friend? You know, is there? Um, can somebody give you a hand? You know, can somebody sort of help you out in this? You know, so uh, it affects everybody. Uh, obviously, it affects certain people a lot more than others. Um, if you live by yourself, um, honestly, feel bad because it's you're really, you know you're, you're essentially stuck on your own. You know, it's you, four walls, and Netflix. You know, it's uh, there's not much you can do. And hopefully, you're working, and the work sort of keeps you busy. Um, I feel bad for kids for missing their graduations and their um, their social circles and their, um, their their play dates and sort of their activities and, and their gyms and and everything else and, uh, and daycares and, and, and so forth um, it 's difficult for many people on different levels um, you know I feel bad for single mothers you know who are stuck at home or with a child and who may not have you know, as resources as you know as a whole sort of nuclear families to, to deal with this it 's a very difficult situation. Um, unfortunately family abuse yeah family abuse has skyrocketed divorce numbers have went up uh, significantly Um, it's uh, it affected every single aspect of uh, most people's lives so it's a uh, I really hope and I, I pray that we all going to come out of this really quickly and we return to back to normal and unfortunately you know I don't have a crystal ball I can't really tell you that's going to happen in two weeks or three weeks um, but I do know and I do know that you know if we all take the right steps together if we do the vaccines you know if we uh, not all of us right? no all of us right but if you know if if you you know if you can do the vaccine if you can uh, speak to your doctor they can explain to you if you qualify or not um follow most public health advice you know when I say most I say because not everybody's gonna follow everything you know not everybody is following everything from A to Z. you know we all washed our hands we all sort of wear our masks but you know there's you know you obviously go for walks you see like your friends in the street and you know and we we're only human right you cannot be sort of confined to a space for such a long time you know um, the lockdown will be lifted soon it's not going to be there with us forever right it's uh don't treat it as a as a prison sentence it's really not it's a public health measure you know it's there it's designed to do one thing is to prevent the disease and i can assure you that most politicians don't have secondary gains or or ideas in their minds about this it's not done with you know sort of implementation that, okay, we're going to harm our society or have a secondary gain beyond this. It, there's really no play like, like to it. It's it's done in every single country in the world. So unless everybody's in the cahoots with each other, you know, it's... Then, uh,
0: then why can't we be the examples of doing the best in the world? At this point, unfortunately, we became one of the worst in the world handling this pandemic. I mean, we've always been on top of the game this this time i was like we did everything yeah, wrong
1: yeah definitely lessons to be learned you know i you know hopefully we learned on you know in the, in this kind of thing we either win or we learn or lose right hopefully you know <laughs> it's Hopefully, it doesn't happen, but hopefully, we either win or we learn about this. You know, it's since I'm i optimist, I'm eternal optimist. You know, I like to see the light at the end of sort of this dark, long one or two year old sort of tunnel. Um, but it's, uh, I'm personally optimistic, you know, and I'm, I'm the person that's seen, you know, people living and dying and those kind of things. And I'm, I'm optimistic. So take it from me that, you know, I think we're headed in the right direction.
0: Uh, I kind of hope so. I hope whoever wants to get vaccinated should probably get vaccinated. Are you getting the vaccine? Uh, I don't think so. No. I'm going to wait till everybody. Well, you got it now. Everybody else will get it. I don't think I'm going to. Wait your turn. I'll, I'll probably wait until everybody gets it. And if there's no weird side effects like twitching eyes and twitching ears, yes. I, think, I think I'll. No uh,
1: microchips in your brain. No
0: microchips, no that stuff. I mean, the stuff that you read on in the internet, oh my God. I don't know who comes up with the
1: Conspiracy stuff. theories and everything the else.
0: Conspiracy theories. Listen, I do believe there's a. Listen, I have to disagree. I do believe there's a lot of gains for the government. I believe there are a lot of gains for these companies. There's money, rules, regulations, uh, uh, benefits. I mean, come on, we all see it. We're not stupid especially in this country, we're not. So we We see exactly what happened. I feel that you guys as doctors were pressured a lot because you guys also got stuck as a hostage because you are there really truly to help people, but you are in between the medical staff and the people who are coming probably to your office every day and, and say, listen, but this looks like it's fake. And there you are, the one who's sitting in front of them and say, listen, it's not. And then again, confused. Last time I left your office, I was, uh, I had a panic attack, man, for all the stuff that I heard. But I'm sure everybody does. I don't know how you deal with this every day anyways.
1: You know, I'll tell you a funny story. Do we have time?
0: Oh, we have a lot of time. Yeah,
1: I'll tell you a funny story. March of last year, February of last year, before the actual lockdown, before the lockdown down, um, there was a craze where people are uh, just, there was just a recommendation to wear our face masks right just before yeah, right, right, yeah. right so there was a p- period of time where everybody was buying a different face masks, and th- there was no guideline to wear the cloth mask that we do today it has to be has to be the actual surgical mask so everybody it has up. to
0: be surgical. i'm yeah. wearing a bandana because that's fine different.
1: now it's okay because now we'll know a little bit more about it but before it wasn't the case and i got a call from a producer of the cbc evening news and they said you know we are in, in the area it was a saturday we're in the area can we come to your clinic and do an interview from you because you're open on Saturday, you want to sort of do that. Sure, no problem. And my clinic on Saturday was usually, back then, was very busy. Like right now we're not so busy because people usually stay home and it's not the same, but before it was, it was quite busy. And it happened so that on the parking lot of the plaza where I am, there was a two police cruisers for unrelated matter. They were just parked there. I think there was, there's a restaurant there. They were there. So this is a scenario that we have a waiting room full of people just before the lockdown, right? Everything was open. Um, I have a CBC news van with a big antenna on the roof parked outside my clinic, a cameraman, TV producer, and a reporter in my clinic taking my interview, two police cruisers there. At the same time for unknown reason, and not related to my clinic or anybody else, an ambulance van pulls up. A Toronto EMS pulls up, uh, sorry, like New York region, and just parks. There's a Starbucks in the plaza, so it's, it's common that they do. So all the people in my clinic, there's maybe 15, 20 people in the clinic look around. This says there's a camera here. Uh, there's a TV in my clinic with a CP24, and, and there's a news story about this worldwide pandemic that, that's about to happen. Two police cruisers and EMS took thirty seconds. The clinic was empty. <laughs> everybody panicked. They thought, you know, we were the ground zero. I had the patient zero in my clinic. Everybody left. You know, we finished the interview. You know, the reporter leaves. Everything is fine. Uh, apparently, everybody was sitting in their car. They didn't actually went home. So when they left, there was like a big lineup to get back in, in, inside. But this is how the world works. People see with their eyes, you know, they feel with their ears, you know, and they act on emotions. And if one follows, the rest follows, right? So it's a, it's a panic mode,
0: right? Well, that's where we have the media who sometimes creates these yes. panics. Yes. And and just like you said, you you look with your eyes and they're doing it exactly and uh, I uh, <laughs> I mean some some of the stuff you see on Facebook and you're like, "Wow, I mean, how do you really how do you really tell what's really happening? You have this this uh, what's his name, the Microsoft guy, Bill Gates, and you have the, the, all these guys with all these theories. I want to believe them, to be honest with you. I want to believe that this was a conspiracy theory and this whole
1: thing was some of nonsense. Them were, some of them are so good and so well organized and engineered that you want to believe them, and they're designed to be believable, right? And but they're theories. They're theories. And theories, unless you test them out and they prove to be right, are just theories. Well, people looking at numbers. No, they're looking at numbers and they're looking at, at whatever, just
0: like I said before. I mean, they look at what the government and the health department shows you and then the actual facts of what really happened. And when there's a, such a gap, you lose trust. And that's why all these conspiracy theories are are, are so powerful.
1: Thank God I don't have a Facebook.
0: You know, I just. You don't have, Facebook?
1: I don't have a Facebook. Instagram. I have an Instagram. Yes. Uh, How
0: often do you post up on Instagram?
1: Once a month, maybe. it's uh, I just I don't have time. I work a lot. I have two jobs. So, um, but it's really, um, you know, I really hope I really hope from the bottom of my heart that this gets over soon. And uh, um, we, I like doing a regular medicine. You know, this is this is like a trench medicine. This is, a, you know, every patient you suspect they have something, you know. I, I enjoy seeing people for, you know, I'm a sports doctor, right, so I enjoy people seeing, you know, for knee pain, for shoulder pain, for back pain, for for concussions, joint injections, whatever. But now every, every patient we have to screen, you know. Like, first we ask them, do you have COVID symptoms? And then I ask you if you have a knee pain. You know, makes my job a lot more difficult. Such are the times. You know, you can't do anything about it. This is, we are part of the system. Do I like it? No. Is it challenging? Yes. Uh, is it going to be over soon? I hope so.
0: I hope so too Doc, thank you for coming I just need Listen, so what I'm going to do After every show now Is I want to give some shout outs To the local businesses Because they really They really really, really suffer through uh, That's a great idea Yeah, Yeah, so we're going to do some stuff I got the most Sorry, I got most of them But there's a lot of them Are missing guys So if I miss some of you I remember I'll use it next time So you're going to have to help me with this Sure So there's a company called Noti.ca, Local marketplace Do you sell stuff
1: or buy stuff online? rarely my wife does Okay,
0: there's a site called naughty.ca it's local stuff you can post uh, how do you spell uh, it n-o-t-t-y dot c-a naughty.ca naughty.ca yeah, yeah. so yeah, my accent is man, N-O-T-T-Y no, on this microphone my accent sounds so <laughs> bad like, I looked at the last video I'm like oh my god 25 years in this country I still speak like this anyways so you can sell and buy stuff on this website it's pretty cool now champagne optical eyewear do you wear glasses? no Actually bought a pair there. Pretty cool. They have nice stuff, brands and uh, good stuff. Champagne Optical dot t- Champagne t- Optical Eyewear. Eyewear. Well, you can Google this stuff. Bootmaster, cowboy boots. Mm. Is that your style? No. I tried no. it once. It's impossible with my feet. <laughs> I tried wearing it once, but I'm sure somebody like them. It. I mean, it's pretty cool style. The hottest tights. This is. <laughs> You guys can Google it yourself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Maya exclusive gifts. They sell... I, saw, I actually looked at it. They sell some interesting erotic candles. Okay. Do it own. No judgment, yeah. you know? Okay. Uh, we got to do we got to do. We got to help as much as we can. Of course. Uh Comfort Keto. That's actually a pretty cool company. I actually spoke to, to the owner of the company. They brought these smart cribs that you can actually pull them. Uh, 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 they come apart and you can make a table out of it and then it goes back to a crib. Pretty cool thing. Everything goes that direction, no? But pretty cool item. You had a kid recently, right? Yes, yes. So take a look if you can have another one. Yes, I will. Thank you. But that's a pretty cool company. I actually looked for myself. All right. Aqua Stream Swimming School. Swimming is very important for breathing. Absolutely. So this probably will help. So AquaStream, I think that's Sierra.com. I didn't get a chance to take a look, but AquaStream swimming school, good for kids. And the rest is going to be next time. I have a lot more, but we have to wrap it up. Doctor Stephen Matlis, I really, really appreciate you coming. My by. pleasure, anytime. Uh, hopefully, this thing will be done, and and I'll get Mr. Barber uh, to buy an extra ticket, so the three of us, you know, go to the Raptors game and, and watch these guys do the thing and uh thank you for saving lives. Thank you for being for for us and uh the the lesson is learned. Do the vaccine or maybe don't
1: <laughs> yes it's my pleasure everybody stay he- stay healthy stay stay safe um you know if you have any questions, just call your doctor um you know if uh, don't listen to fake news you know don't listen to propaganda and all kinds of stuff there's It's a real condition it affects a lot of people. Unfortunately, some of the actions that we take, you know, have consequences and obviously it affects our society and everything else. But uh, let's look on the bright side. This is a temporary. This is only with us for a short period of time. And I hope that this time next year that, you know, everything is open and uh, we have our life back to normal. So...
0: Amen to that. Thank you very
1: much. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.